hey, before we begin our, our uh, service today, I mean our sermon today, I do want to let you know if you don't have the church app, you can actually uh, download that and uh, would encourage you to do that. For those who do have the app, you can actually follow along with the sermon and I even have notes in there that, and even fill in the blanks that you can put in there and you can actually uh, email that to yourself. If you want to take notes, if you don't have the church app, you can go to lakepointonline.com forward slash app, A-P-P, and it'll give you all the instructions. You can do that during my, during my message if you want, um, but I uh, would encourage you to do that. If you don't have that now, uh, if you don't want to do that now, you could do that uh, later. So we are in week five of this series through the book uh, of Mark, or the Gospel of Mark. And this is going to be a, a slow country drive as we go through this. We already had an introduction uh, of the Gospel of Mark, and we introduced John the Baptist. Actually, he came on the scene first because he made the way uh, for Jesus, and, um, and he talked about baptizing people in the wilderness. We talked about that and how we can find ourselves in the wilderness, and uh, through decisions we have made, life's disruptions that happened that beyond our control, and then also the Lord will often even lead us or direct us into the wilderness in order to test our faith, just like he did with Jesus, like, he, uh, like he's done with many others, even the children of Israel. And the children of Israel have come to realize that the wilderness is a place where you meet God. Even if you find yourself there because of bad decisions, guess what? You can meet God there in your wilderness, and it doesn't matter. So we, we've talked about that, and uh, then we introduce Jesus on the scene and introduce his first miracle that's recorded in the Gospel of Mark, not his, not his first miracle. Uh, his first miracle was turning water into wine, and, and uh, as John uh, shared in his Gospel, but we talked about how Jesus chose his first disciples, how he had authority, and, uh, and how his authority is still within us as we have invited him into our life, and the Holy Spirit lives and resides within us. And before we go on, now we are going to be in Mark chapter 1, so if you want to take your copy of God's Word, your printed copy or your digital copy, we'll have it on the screens as well. But we're going to be in Mark chapter 1, and I think we're going to be in Mark chapter 1, we'll close it out next week. But our main passages of the scripture are going to be 29 through 39. But I want to jump previous to that. We've, we've actually already talked about these verses. But these verses will set up what we will read later on in the next few chapters in the Gospel of Mark. So go to verse 14 there in chapter 1. And it says this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaimed the good news of God. The time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Well, there's three things about those couple of verses that we need to uh, pull out. And it will help us prepare us for the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we, uh, as we kind of start this and as we uh, plow through in the next few, uh, few chapters. First of all, number one, the time is fulfilled or the time has come. It's when the, the new covenant is being established, just being ushered in. You have the Old Testament of, uh, of sacrificing animals for the, for the forgiveness of sins. And then you have this new covenant where Jesus is going to be the ultimate sacrifice, the innocent lamb that's going to be sacrificed for us. And then also uh, we, we see where Jesus banishes uh, sickness. And, um, and everywhere he goes, he, uh, there's sickness around him, him, there's demonic forces, and Jesus 
Jesus is there. And it's like the time has come. It's fully here. You've, you've read about it in the Old Testament prophets, and it is happening right now. And uh, so that's important for you to, to get that and have that mindset. Number two, he says, repent. Repent. Now, repent means more than just being sorry for what you've done. Now, that's a first step. Obviously, if you want to be sorry for something you've done, you need, you need to re, uh, repent of that. But it goes beyond recognizing our failures and our shortcomings. Actually, the, the Greek word has something to do with really the more we think. So Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is here. So if you want to see God move... If you want to see God move and God move in your, in your life, then you're going to need to change the way you think about God. If you want to walk with God, your thinking and assumptions about God need to change. So repenting is, yeah, you're sorry, but you're, you're, you're actually turning the opposite way. Okay? You're, you're looking for something new. You're not going to the old way of life. You're going to something new in your life. And then he said, believe. He said believe in those, first, in those two verses there. Um, just believe the good news. So the time has come. Repent. Believe. Now, for those who, who you know, look at this and maybe you're kind of searching or maybe you have accepted Christ as Savior and maybe you're thinking, well, you know, that, that's great, Pastor Frank. It's in the Bible and that was for long ago and, and all those people aren't here anymore. Listen, that message is alive the Bible is alive. The words of God are still active today. What he shared with us many years ago is still in God's word and it could still change us today. And so he's even telling you now, the time has come. Don't wait any longer. The time has come. Repent and believe. And that's really the framework of his ministry that you, we will see in the next few chapters. So uh, what does the gospel of ministry uh, of Jesus look like? What are the characteristics? Um, so there's three sort of characteristics. We're going to read in these uh, verses today. We're going to be starting at verse 29. And uh, number one, uh, the gospel is a powerful gospel. Everybody say powerful. No, that wasn't powerful enough. Everybody say powerful. There we go. Good. Awesome. The gospel is powerful. And um, there's a tangible power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I've had the opportunity. Uh, there are actually people in this room that have had the opportunity to lead to the Lord. And, and I tell you what, if you could see what, what the old person was and the, and, and the new life. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they were a really, really incredibly bad person. It's just, uh, you could just see a transformation that has happened in their life. And they've gone from walking uh, towards the ways of the world and their flesh and their own desires to walking towards what God wants to do in their life. There's power in the gospel message and the good news. So much so that I've, I've, I've even had men, just like manly men, right? Okay? That they've just cried tears because of the power of the gospel message. And it can change you. The power of the gospel can change you if you will allow it to do that. So let's read in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 29 uh, through 34. For right now, verse 29, as soon as they left the synagogue, now, 
Set this up. They, Jesus was in a synagogue. He was teaching. There was a man there, de- uh, demonically possessed, and he drove out the spirit. And then uh, that's recorded, the very first recorded uh, miracle in the Gospel of Mark. And then immediately, you'll see uh, that, that Mark uses this a lot. And just to remind you, the, this account of the Gospel of Mark uh, is really the words uh, or the account of Peter. Um, and so Peter, which is one of the disciples, and so John, uh, Mark, Mark was not a disciple, uh, and so he got this record from uh, Peter. And so this is really Peter's, um, Peter's words or, or Peter's recollection of his time with Jesus. And so immediately, uh, they, um, he left the synagogue. They went with James and John to the home of Simon. Now, Simon is, is Peter, same name, same person, and uh, Andrew, his brother. Simon's mother-in-law, so we get to see here, Simon's mother-in-law, that means Peter is married, okay? He has a, he has a wife, okay? And if you watch The Chosen, you can see what she looks like. <laughs> no, just kidding. Right. Anyway, um, so uh, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her, okay? There's that word, immediately. <laughs> just, we're moving quick through the book of Mark. And so he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So you have this, they leave the synagogue, they go to Peter's house, Simon's house, okay? And, um, and just so you know, I mean, Peter's brother Andrew is staying with them, and the mother-in-law is staying with them, and obviously his wife. And actually, Jesus would use um, uh, Peter's house as sort of a base of operations up in Capernaum. So you have, you have Judea area, the southern part of the kingdom, and Jerusalem and all of that. Then about 70 miles north, you, uh, above the, the north part of the Sea of Galilee, you have the city of Capernaum. And that's where Jesus really kind of was starting his ministry and chose some of his disciples. And he, um, he was there with, and with Peter. And so Peter actually... Peter actually had a, had, had a pretty good house. I mean, he had a house big enough to house all these people. So some people, it's easy to think, well, Peter was just a fisherman. I mean, of course he would follow Jesus. He, I mean, he didn't have anything to lose. Actually, he, Peter had a lot to lose. He did. I mean, he was a successful fisherman. He had a, he had a business. He had a house big enough for, uh, for, for this, you know, for his family and his friends. And so uh, Peter gave up a lot to follow Jesus. Plus, he had a wife, and he would go on these journeys, and he would be gone. And so Peter actually gave up a lot. Obviously, his wife did as well. And so there, there, there are insights on, um, as we see with this scene here where, where people are coming to Jesus and being healed uh, there at Peter's house. So sort of three insights of healing. Number one, uh, he healed because he was asked. Jesus healed people because he was asked to. And so you have not because you asked not. You know, I, I remember several months ago, I've shared this story, where I was diagnosed with an aortic aneurysm. I mean, if it bursts, you're dead, right? And so, 
I wanted to ask for healing. So I got the, the elders in our church and some other men in our church, and they prayed for me right there. And they gathered around me, and I went to the doctor for a second diagnosis and um, to a professional, and he said, you know, uh, Mr. Bennett, uh, we can't find it. And it's a miracle. It, I mean, those things just don't just disappear, but they do. And I asked for healing. God, just, just heal me for that. Um, I don't need to have this while I'm just, you know, trying to serve you. And, and I, I don't need this in my life right now. I need you to please take care of this. And we just did what the Bible said. Call in the elders of the church. Let them lay hands on you and have them pray for you. And that's what happened. And so glory be to God. I asked. He healed. Can I tell you something? Don't, don't underestimate the power of healing. If you're facing something or you know someone in your life is facing something, ask and ask the Lord to, to heal you and continue to ask, to seek and to knock on that door and continue to ask the Lord. Now, it doesn't mean that he's going he's gonna to heal everybody because he does, he does have a will in his life. Okay? He has a plan and he has authority. And so, I mean, I would love to have to for him to have healed my mom before she, she passed away, but he chose not to. And now, I actually understand why even more, which is a whole other topic and sermon. But I want you to, I want to encourage you, just ask. So he healed because he was asked. He healed to free people to serve, as we saw uh, Peter's mother-in-law, okay? What did she do after she was healed of the fever? She began to serve. Okay? She began to serve. And so when, when, when Jesus heals, he wants people healed because he wants them to serve him. Okay? He wants them to, to, uh, to share his name, to share the gospel message. It doesn't mean you have to go and be a missionary somewhere or, or surrender a ministry, full-time ministry. No, that's not it at all. But, I mean, if, if he's calling you for that, then absolutely. But he wants you to serve him. So we see that in this passage. Also, he healed because people came to him. People came to him. They, they were drawn by this. They heard about the demon-possessed man in the synagogue, and then they came to him later that evening. And, uh, and the reason why I did that in the evening is because it was the Sabbath, and, and, um, and so by the time evening came, because Sabbath was from Friday night to Saturday night, and so when the sundown came, uh, they, they made their way, they heard about it. And that was before social media. They heard about it, and they went to uh, Peter's house, and because people came to him. So don't just, I just want you to understand something. If you want healing in your life, and not just physical healing, there's some emotional healing that needs to happen, okay? And, um, and some relationships in your life. And so if there's healing, I want to encourage you to go to Jesus. Go to him and say, I need healing in my life. So it's a powerful gospel. Number two, it's a personal gospel. Everybody say personal. Personal, good, awesome. When God saves, he doesn't just save us from something, like he doesn't just save us from hell, which he does, but he saves us for something. He is saving us for heaven, okay? It's a personal gospel because you know what? 
He wants you in heaven. He created heaven, and he's building heaven out now. Jesus is. He's a great carpenter. He's going to prepare a place for us, for those who've accepted him as Lord and Savior. And he wants you there. He didn't want you in hell. I say it all the time. Hell is not made for you. So why go there? Why go there? Was it made for you? That's not, your, that's not God's plan for your life. And God doesn't send people to hell. We send ourselves to hell. Because of our own sin, our depravity, and because we just wanted to live life on our own, and we reject the free gift of salvation. So we send ourselves to hell. But Jesus wants you in heaven because he loves you, and it's a personal gospel. And let me let you know something. When, when, when you have a personal gospel and a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, um, it, it's sort of like a conversation that will continue. So my, when I talk to Jesus, it, it, it's, it's going to be a continued conversation. When I get to heaven, I'm, I'm not going to be like, oh, wow, Jesus. Well, I mean, we haven't really talked much, so let me try to, let me, let me start this conversation. Let's try to get to know one another. No, I'm picking up where I left off. I'm picking up where I left off. Right? My mom who, is a, who, who, uh, who loved to, uh, to spend time with the Lord. My grandfather, who loved to spend time with the Lord. And when you're around my grandfather, he, I mean, you could feel Jesus all around him, the Holy Spirit. And he prayed all the time. And guess what? It's just a break. And he's picking up right where he left off. It's very similar to, let's say if I was in London, and I talked to um, Suzanne, she's here, and I talked to her on the phone. I say, hey, I'm about to get on the plane. I'll see you in uh, several hours, and uh, uh, I love you. And then I get off the plane. She picks me up at the airport. I get in the car. I just pick up the conversation where I left off. See, if we're talking about the kids in London, guess what we're going to talk about the kids, which is usually what we talk about. We're going to talk about the kids when we get back home. I'm not going to step in the car and be like, hey, I'm Frank. She'd be like, you're a loser, right? And so I, I'm not going to do that because I know her. She knows me. We're going to continue the conversation. That's exactly how it needs to be with Jesus. You're, you're already heaven or you should be having heavenly conversations right now. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to have those conversations with Jesus. Now, you're going to meet him for the first time face to face. See his nail scarred hands and his hands and his feet and, and, and the puncture of the sword in his side. And you could see the love in his eyes. You're going to be able to see all of that. And what an incredible day that will be. But I'm just going to continue my conversation. The gospel was for you personally. And if you were the only sinner on earth, he would have done the exact same thing. He would have died for you. Even if it was you, one person. And Jesus shows us, Jesus shows us that he loves these conversations with God his Father. If you look at, at, at verse 35, it says this, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed, where he prayed. He loved spending time with his Father. I mean, think, man, of all the people that didn't need to pray, I would think Jesus would be one, right? Fully God, fully man. 
No, he showed us. Even Jesus, the Son of God, had to pray. Because several times in Scripture, he says, look, I only do what my Father tells me to do. I get instructions from, this isn't just me making all these decisions on my own. I'm, I'm being bombarded many times throughout the day, throughout my ministry, with opportunities. And I've got to be close, walk with the Father to know what he wants me to do. And it's the exact same way. And you know that he, that, because Jesus said it, he, Jesus wants you to do even greater things than he's, he's done. And what that means is we have to have time with God the Father. We need to have a time of prayer. I want to encourage you. Have a time of prayer. Conversation. All it is is a conversation. A, a gentle conversation. You know, if, let me ask you a question. Do, do you treat your time with God like you would treat your time with your best friend? Think about your best friend. And, and someone you love hanging out with, someone you love just talking to, and, and you're, you're visiting. I mean, do you, do you talk to Jesus the same way? Now, I mean, obviously, if you're having conversations with your friends that aren't holy, then obviously you wouldn't do that. There needs to be some conviction in your life for that. But I'm just talking about enjoying the company, enjoying the time with those you love here on earth. Do you do the same thing with Jesus? Jesus longs to be that same person. He longs to be someone who you can have a great conversation with. A better question might be, if you treated your best friend like you treated your time with God, how long will they be your best friend? (laughs) Yeah. If you only pray to God at, at, you know, over a meal, then you only have that much time with your friend what, 30 seconds, a minute, then your best friend's gonna be like, dude, what's up? And so I wanna encourage you. It's just a relationship and it's a simple conversation. And three, three sort of insights on prayer. Number one, it's a, it's a personal time with God. So don't complicate it. It's just like time with your friend. Don't make it complicated, okay? Just talk, it's okay. Have a conversation. And don't just fill it up with, Lord, I need these things. I'm going to pray for these things. I'm going to encourage you to have that time when you're just, you're just quiet before the Lord. You're just in each other's company. Many days a week, Susanna and I would go for, go for a walk in our neighborhood. And you know, during that walk, sometimes we'll talk. And sometimes we'll, we'll go in a few hundred yards and not say a word. And you know what? That's fine. But we're walking together. We're with one another. We're companions. And we're just spending time with each other. That's all that Jesus wants. That's all that God wants. Just have those moments where you talk and then you listen. It's just like a conversation. And so, um, and also, so it's a personal time with God. That's a uh, that's an inside of prayer. Also, I believe prayers is sort of prophetic. Prayer time can be prophetic. Uh, show me your prayers and I'll show you what could be going on in your life or what could, could go, be going, coming in your life. The things you pray for uh, are the things you will see happen in your life. Now, I'm not saying that everything you pray for is going to happen, but I am saying this. The things that are, are weighing heavy on your heart as you come before God the Father in prayer, 
Guess what? I believe you're going to start seeing some of that happen in your life. My, my grandmother called her Big Mama. I started praying for her salvation at age 15. And I, I, I can probably fill up a, a, a journal book of times that I prayed for my Big Mama salvation. And she recently, uh, recently passed away about a year ago. And, um, and my cousin, who lives with her to take care of her, uh, she told me, you know, there are many times that, uh, that we, I heard Big Mama just in her room silently just saying her prayers to, to God Almighty. And so I'm thankful for that. I do believe that my Big Mama is in heaven, that, that she had that relationship with Jesus Christ. Earlier, when I was 15, she was far from God. She was far from God. But I wanted to see her in heaven. And guess what? Because of the prayers I was praying, and not just mine, many others, you can see that in the, in, in the future. So the, the prayers that you pray now, I believe, are, can be prophetic. They can. Because it's the desires of your heart. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt for those who are, who are single right now. If you're praying for the Lord, Lord, I, I, need, I need someone that loves you and I need someone who, you know, fits all of these qualities. Could you please just align my heart to yours, align that other person's heart with yours and let us meet? Could you put us together? If you are praying that prayer, I believe that's gonna happen. I believe God will honor that. I prayed those prayers before. I was supposed to go to another university. I was already signed up, ready to go. And then God changed that late in April, my senior year of high school. said, no, I want you to go to LSU. There's a good Cajun queen there I want you to meet. And um, so the rest is history, right? So, uh, but prayer can also be powerful. The more time we spend with Jesus in his presence, the more power we see in our lives. Some of you may be asking God to do something big in your life, but a two-minute prayer is just, it's just not bringing much. Now, can God do a miracle with the two-minute prayer? Absolutely. He could, do, he could do a miracle with the sentence, just like Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. That's all it took. But can I tell you something? If you have big things in your life you are praying for, those big things, it's going to take more. It's going to take more faith. But it's going to take more time with Jesus to align yourself with that. You could be praying for something and God's like, I I don't want that from you. And you're not going to know that unless you spend time with Jesus. You're not going to know that. But there are things that Jesus does want for you. And so he wants to help you and he wants to show his power in your life. And what that's going to take is that's going to take some time in prayer. Spending time in prayer. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And we see that. So the, power, the gospel is, is a powerful gospel. It's a personal gospel. He wants you to pray with him. He wants to spend time with him one-on-one. Start the heavenly conversations now. Don't wait till heaven. Don't wait till heaven. Start them now. And then last, it's a public gospel. It's a public. Everybody say public. Public. So we have powerful, we have personal, and we have a public gospel. 
I've had people tell me that their religion is a personal thing. Oh, it's just, it's a personal thing. It's not something that I wear in my sleeves. I just kind of keep it to myself. Let me tell you right now, that's not biblical. It's not. We should be telling people about Jesus. If, you, if you're excited about telling other people about your favorite team, whether it be football, baseball, basketball, soccer, what, whatever your favorite team is, and you're, telling, and you're even wearing the jersey, but you're not telling people about the most important relationship in your life, there's got to be some alignment between you and God the Father. It's a public gospel. We need to go public with this. We need to go public. We don't need to just be sitting in our own little corner of the world and waiting for someone to say, um, do you go to church? Are you a Christian? And th- that will happen, yes. But they need to, they need to know Like one of the first things you should let people know is, hey, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, probably not the first sentence. Hi, I'm Frank. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, Are you going to heaven or hell? That may not be the best way to start a conversation. But people need to know. It's a public gospel. You need to go public with this. Why? People are looking for hope. People are looking for hope. They don't know where to turn. But guess what? They can turn to you. They can turn to you. If you you have to keep the good news of the gospel to yourself, then you're following a fake gospel. Christians should be compelled to invite. That's one of our key words for this year. Give, invite, connect. That's what God wants us to focus on for 2024, Lake Point Church. Give, and my goodness, what we, what we shared, yes, uh, what we shared a few minutes ago in, in the offering time. Um, I mean, Lord's already, I mean, you're already doing it. Praise be to God. So we're all doing that together. Give, invite, connect. We have several guests here today. You're inviting. Connect, connect through life groups, connect through fellowship. And so, just want to encourage you to invite people. Easter's coming up, March 31st, okay? It's coming up. We have invite cards in the back table. In fact, we just ordered a thousand more invite cards, and we're going to put them on the back table. In fact, we're going to hand them out next week, and, and you take those invite cards, and you begin inviting people to Easter on March 31st. Make plans not to just join us, but to bring people to hear hope. And they will hear hope. I will try my best to show that. And so we just need to invite. And we read this as we close out this passage, and starting in verse 36. Simon, Peter, and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you, exclamation point. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. 
I love when they said this. When Peter said this, look, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. Everybody's looking for you. Where are you at? Now you may say, Pastor Frank, I've got, I've got friends that they're not looking for Jesus. They're not looking for Jesus. I, I, would, I would challenge that. I would challenge that. Everybody's looking for Jesus. They are. They may not know it. They may not know it yet, but they are. Because there's a God-shaped hole in everybody's heart until God fills it. Until God fills it. One of the people I recently was able to lead to the Lord told me something similar like that. Man, I just feel like there's a hole that's been filled with what only God can do. And so that, that hole, or that, time, that place in, in, in their heart was filled with God and Jesus. And people are looking for hope. Hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. Hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. They are looking for Jesus. So three insights of this last passage of scripture. The gospel is for everyone. Everyone. The gospel is for everyone. There's there's not one who doesn't need Jesus. We all need Jesus. The gospel should be taken everywhere. Everywhere you go. Your work, your classroom, your sports team. What is the gospel? The good news of Jesus. You don't have to live life on your own. You're not alone. You're created for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus loves you just as you are. And as you surrender him, he's going to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's going to adjust your life to line up with with him and his word. Okay? Yes, he will wash your feet, but he will also correct your life. And he will. And he's there for the people in your life. And so take the gospel everywhere. People need to know the truth. They need to be shared. Jesus, and we need to love people and let Jesus work on their hearts. And then last, people are looking for Jesus. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. So this gospel that we're going to see play out in the next few chapters in Mark. You know, it, it's a gospel that is powerful. It, it brings new life. It casts away demons. It heals. We have, we have seen some of that, even in our church. And I've even seen, in my time of ministry, I've even seen demons cast out. And so the, the gospel is powerful, the gospel message. But more importantly, it's there to change the hearts of people. Even the people that you know and love. But it's also a personal gospel. He wants to make it real with you. He wants you to get to know him. He knows all about you. <laughs> and just think all the things you've done. All the things that you've done and you've thought about and everything. And he still loves you. Man. It's crazy. I tell myself, remind myself all the time. I say, Jesus, how come you love me? How come you love me? 
He just does. He does. So it's a, it's a personal gospel, but it's a public gospel. We need to go and, and just tell people. Tell people about change. Tell people the hope that we have. We can't just keep it to ourselves. This is not a country club where you pay a membership fee and it's just about us. No. This is a hospital where the sick come and those who are far from God come. That's what this is. And so bring those who are sick far from God. Bring them here so that we can can do everything we can to share the gospel, but that Jesus can change their life from the inside out. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. As we close out this service, I just, I want to give people an opportunity, and I've, I've, I've shared the gospel, that it is a free gift. And maybe you're sitting here, or maybe you're, you're watching or listening online, whether you're live or later, it doesn't matter. You could do this at any moment. If you've never accept, uh, surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. And it just is a simple prayer you could say right there from your seat or wherever you're at. Just simply say, God, I surrender my life to you. No more running away from you. I want to follow you. Please forgive me my sin. Please come into my life be my Lord, be my Savior, and be my shepherd. In Jesus' name. And I also feel that there's people here today, maybe you've already made that decision to follow, to accept him as Savior, but you've not really made him your shepherd. You haven't really started following him and carrying that gospel and telling others and, and having that personal time with the Lord. And just... Just tell them right now, just apologize for that. Lord, I'm sorry for making it about me. Just help me to have that personal gospel and to tell others. I want to tell others of the hope. And I commit to spending time with you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, if you uh, made a decision to follow Christ, and you can let me know there in the lobby, or you can send an email for those who are watching online to a pastor at lakepointonline.com or frank at lakepointonline.com, and uh, just let me know. We can get you uh, started on, uh, on just that, that, that journey. And also, I have some great news in the fact that we don't have to put up chairs today. Isn't that great? Yay. Man, you're so excited about that. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so obviously it's winter break, and um, and so we'll, uh, the next time this room will be used will be when we're here next Sunday. Speaking of next Sunday, you don't want to miss next Sunday. You want to make sure you're here as we continue on, as we close out uh, the first chapter in the book of Mark. And um, and also, just remember, invite, start inviting people for Easter. If you are our, our guest today, we're so glad you were here today. I'd love to meet you there in the lobby. And, um, and if you have any questions about our church, we'd love to be able to tell you about that. We're we love you guys. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.